Oh, right. Um, I didn't like it. I haven't read it. Oh, I didn't like the concept of it. Hello and welcome to another episode of Geek Chew, podcast where we talk about the books and television and movies that we like. I'm Eamon. And I'm Charlene. And our intro music is by my brother, Ryan. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the new Fox series, The Gifted, which premiered last week. And I believe the second episode has aired tonight. Um, White Knight, Batman, The White Knight by Sean Murphy. And uh, the guy who colors all of our favorite comic books, Matt Hollingsworth, and uh, Blade Runner 2049, which we saw on Friday, and today is Monday. So it's almost timely. Almost. Almost. We're so close. Um, By the time this comes out, it'll still be almost timely. Right. It'll almost be a week too late, because it's (laughs) probably going to be Thursday, Friday, or maybe even Saturday before it goes up. But I still don't understand why we're not receiving screeners. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. (laughs) I like the first word best. (laughs) Uh, But we did go see Blade Runner 2049, which was preceded by uh, the first time I've seen a trailer for Pacific Rim Uprising. Yeah. Which looks pretty awesome. It does. And I forgot about that until you just mentioned it right now. And now I want to go watch Pacific Rim, which we own, correct? I believe we do own that movie. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no reason for us to watch it. It's not Guillermo del Toro this time. I checked it. Stephen McKnight. I might be making that that name up. Uh, he did some TV. He's done uh, work on like the Netflix Daredevil series. And I mean, I bet there's someone named Stephen McKnight. I I bet there is. <laughs> but uh, I was just being on your side about yeah. not making up. Oh, I was so close, Stephen Denight. <laughs> How do you say that name? That's, right? That's a D-E made up name. Knight. G. <laughs> what? There's a G in night. Yes. <laughs> but it's like a night of the round table. Dan night. Um, yeah, that caught me way off guard. <laughs> uh, so anyway, it's going to be a different movie, obviously, because it's not the same movie. It kind but of looks like giant Power Rangers, right? It looks amazing. Uh, the trailer, they did a really good job with the trailer. We'll probably come up with, or we'll probably bring up a couple other trailers because... Uh, we actually just watched the premiere for the new. Ooh, that's timely. That's very timely, timely but not by the time that it posts. Today. <laughs> <laughs> the new Star Wars Last Jedi trailer that came on at halftime of uh, Monday Night Football. But, I don't even remember who was playing the Bears. Yes, and the Vikings. Vikings. It's tied right now, seventeen seventeen. Oh, good. Who knows what will happen in the next five minutes. All I know is I lost fantasy football this week. So I'm yeah, I did too. Like, all, all the wrong decisions. How does your quarterback get fucking one point? Yeah. Well, to be fair, 
I did tell you to pick up somebody else and you were like, what about these other guys? And I was like, oh, you can make your decision. <laughs> well, I made my decision between two people. Yeah. And you got portaled. How, don't, how does Blake Bortles, I mean, and they, and they beat the Steelers. Uh, yeah. They beat the Steelers they and did. he still got one point. I don't understand. Pacific Rim. Right. Uprising. Uh, well, I mean, it just, it looks really fun. It like, does look very fun. It looks like more of a action-y. Like, like I mean, there was a lot of action in the first movie, but it, giant just Power the whole Rangers. trailer, uh, you know, kind of had this like, um, maybe it was the music. <laughs> uh, it just had a different feel than a Del Toro movie, right? Yes, because um, not as like, well, I don't know. Guillermo Del Toro does a lot of different kinds of movies. No. Yeah. A lot of them do have like a very like noir feel, but not all of them. Not Pacific Rim. Exactly. But uh, it looks good. John Boyega is uh, doing his best Idris Elba impression. He's, <laughs> no, he sounds, well, I mean, he's, he sounds a lot like him, is what, like, he obviously, maybe, because he's supposed Idris to be his kid. El- right. So he's, oh, right. Obviously supposed to. Clearly, it's been a while since I've seen this movie. Yeah. It's not been that long for me. I, I watched it not too long ago. Stacker, Idris Elba's Stacker, and John Boyega sounds just like him. But, uh, you know, there's four at least main, um, what are they called? Jaegers. Jaegers? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He said that like I was wrong, but I'm 100% right. Not like you were wrong, like I was surprised. Yeah. Anyway, New Jaegers, New Monsters, they're back. They didn't win in the first one, surprisingly. Um, or they, <laughs> they didn't get the final win. They just won a battle, not the war, right? I mean, I'm yeah. guessing that that's what happened. You're going to have to stop doodling and pay attention to this guy right up here. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it's a really good pen. But it looks good. The Justice League trailer. New Justice League that trailer also came out. That looks awesome. I, I mean, mean it, every single one looks awesome. Yeah. They it all just, look really fun. It looks like a lot of fun. Um, I have like a small issue with the color palette of everything. It's all just red behind them, which makes for a weird visual thing. Like I know it's probably like apocalypse kind of. There's a lot been made of like the reshoots that or the, the multiple reshoots that have happened for this movie uh, to like make it lighter and add more jokes or whatever. But I don't care. Like none of it matters to me. This movie is uh, an exciting event yes. and it's already October, which means it comes out next month. Do you know how many people I've just because I have this tattoo, um, you know, immediately, Oh, do you like the movie? Blah, 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 blah. And then immediately it's, Oh, the new wonder woman movie is coming out soon. Right. And they always mean justice league, no. which is interesting to me. Cause while I know she takes sort of a like lead role, in this movie, I still do not see it as like only Wonder Woman movie. I feel like it's definitely right, equal it's Wonder Woman, Batman. It's definitely them with. I mean, they've it. yeah. I mean, they've worked a lot of. I think they've probably made a concerted effort to make uh, equal distribution of time for, especially the new characters who don't have their own movies. Uh, I'm very excited for Aquaman. Me too. He looks Aqua really Momoa. fun. And. <laughs> Um, the flash is, you know, seems like he's going to be pretty funny. Yeah. Um, 
cyborg. Uh, it's there's the not look a lot concerns there. me. The look. Yeah, I've I've I voiced my concern about the look of uh, his cyborg body before, but it's fine. I'm sure he'll be good. Uh, and you know, on top of that, I just don't know a whole lot about cyborg. Like he's not one of my uh, mainstays as far as comics and whatever. I do like him He's, in Teen Titans though. I know. Teen Titans Teen, Go. Teen Titans Go is like one of the best <laughs> cartoons there is. Um, oh, the Star Wars trailer. Right. I don't know. What did you think? It was really difficult for me to tell what's going on. I don't know. But I'm very excited about the movie. Yeah. But like, wait. I didn't care is, for the trailer so much. Yeah. Who, who is she talking? Who's who's talking to who about what? And then at the end where she's like, tell me where I'm supposed to be or whatever she says like that. Like, who's she talking to? Like, what well, she was talking to, to Kylo Ren. Are you sure? I mean, I mean, that's it could what just the trailer be, said. Right. But, because of the cutting, but right. I, weird. I, I, right? I dislike the trailer. I'm, I'm going to tell you straight up. I'm super excited for the movie. Uh, the trailer, um, just didn't leave me with a lot of warm fuzzies. Like Star Wars is supposed to be like, uh, well, maybe it's not a whole lot of the same pattern as like the first three and also the second three, or we can flip flop those. However, you know, whatever, where it's like good guys win, bad guys win, good guys win. I mean, it's definitely. I'm sure. I'm I'm not worried about the movie. Like I've heard so many good things about. Ryan Johnson who wrote and directed it. Um, and you know, he did other movies like Looper and he's got a pedigree that is really, um, satisfying as far as, uh, what he brings to the movie and just stuff that I've heard about it so far. But, um, the, the trailer itself was just kind of like it, it, didn't scratch any itches for me and made it seem uh, like it was going to be more ambiguous than other Star Wars movies as far as uh, good versus evil kind of stuff, which is fine, but that's not really like Star Warsy to me. Hmm. That's an interesting take. And Thanks. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't have taken that because I am not, really that deep (laughs) about trailers i don't know so yeah let's move on yeah (laughs) i think we spent enough time on trailers but uh before we get into like the uh the main fair we have picked our new or our next book club book uh we ordered it and uh we didn't know how long it was going to be before we ordered it not that I'm intimidated by the massive tome that we just received in the mail, but uh, four three two one by Paul Auger. Oster. Oster. It's over there, and I can't see it. So, what is it? Like a a tale of this one person, same person on four different parallel timelines, and how their life plays out. And uh, it's on shortlisted for the Booker Man Booker. Yes, I always try to read at least one man booker shortlist and or long list, which is easy to do because Allie Smith almost always is on the long list for the 
for the Man Booker Prize. Um, oddly enough, I don't think I've read many Man Booker Prize winners. Life of Pi. But other than that. Anyway. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I'm excited about yeah. this one. I uh, read the first eight pages today, which means I'm 1% through, which <laughs> pretty proud. I'm practically <laughs> done. And <laughs> I mean, slightly less than 1%. I mean, maybe I read eight and a half pages and I was just rounding down. <laughs> you, you don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, we're excited to get that rolling. Yes, I actually am. And maybe we should set a time limit no probably not yeah (laughs) (laughs) we'll just disappoint ourselves (laughs) Uh, all right yeah so let's just start with the gifted the uh yeah new x-men series on fox yes it's been a week since it's been a little long uh yeah because we watched it tuesday uh the day after it aired and now it's monday as previously discussed correct but uh directed by uh, brian singer yeah the guy who did the first two x-men movies and i think um first class he did another x-men movie but um i was surprised that he you know was was on board uh, for this project yeah but i think he only does the pilot which is all we've seen uh but it was it was really good i i don't know what what did you think about uh the pilot overall Okay, I'm going to say that I liked it, but looking back at my notes, it's really weird. And it's kind of reminding me of certain things that happened in the episode because these are my notes are not quite as thorough as your notes. Mine sometimes are just like little scratches of this and that and occasionally questions. And so the first note that I have on this is what's on the paper. And so I have to go like back into my memory right. and retrieve what what that was, which is actually kind of fun. Do you, um, do you remember what it was? Because yes, I have no idea what you're talking about. I do. And we find out at the end of the episode what was on the paper. So a lot of this, like I kind of got the same sort of vibes and feel that I got when Heroes first came out. Remember Heroes? <laughs> I do. Yeah. Just that there's like um, this government entity or something that's like kind of separate from the government that's like tracking down like people with these special abilities. Um, and then there's like this, the one girl who's got like the powers and she kind of seems to be one of the main focuses. Save the the story. Save the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, mean, they do have, it's, it's set on an, x-men continuum but they don't really make clear like what that is exactly it's almost like it's kind of on the same line as logan not at that point in time but the x-men are not there right the brotherhood of mutants is not around which is it's kind of crazy that they reference it because that's never come up in any cinematic x-men unless i uh don't remember uh, correctly because there are x-men movies that i haven't really liked as much as others but like the third one that was <laughs> yeah. but yeah i mean it was the show itself like like you said it sets up this this world where um 
mutants are underground, kind of underground railroad kind of organization, kind of trying to protect mutants who are being hunted by the government, the Sentinel services, which is, is cool that they use that name for like a, a government agency instead of actual sentinels like huge robots that hunt mutants sentinels because they're wicked cool though you know, right the little fidget spinner machines that come through it's <laughs> a good analogy yeah. no yeah. i mean they were cool but obviously it's like a they're really creepy a, a money saver but but the the main focus of the show is is this family yeah kind of like this brother sister dream team right yeah and i mean i really who's it andy and lauren Yes, I had, I had the IMDb pulled up, but um, not anymore. I have this. I have my notes here. It says "sister is a mutant?" question mark, and then it has "nope," and then no. it has, <laughs> yeah. and then it has. As the show played out, you're taking and, notes. And then I, yeah, and then I cross that off <laughs> and put "yep," yeah. which and, is funny. But yeah, Lauren and Anne and her brother's powers are manifested in this first in the pilot episode, and and their their father is uh, a prosecutor for the government basically you know, prosecutes mutants and I, i've seen some reviews that are like oh and the mom is like just this I worried suburban that housewife mom. yeah but hopefully she has more to do in the next in the as the series progresses which or maybe they just <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> but yeah so there's the strucker family but there's also this whole other right. um kind of like we said underground railroad uh group that kind of uh seeks out these these other mutants and tries to pull them in and protect them and whatever so i mean it opens with this action sequence where they're trying to find um uh, this blink mutant actually a, a big part of the pilot and i think going forward a lot of these mutants are going to have bigger roles, but Polaris seems like she's going to be a big um, focal point of the show. Also, she's captured in that beginning scene, and she's uh, Magneto's daughter, which she'll find out in the show, apparently. Um, I saw a bunch of stuff also out there this week about how they're going to directly address her being a bipolar person. Oh, that's cool. Um but uh yeah it was it was good do you have any <laughs> no no nothing else yeah. i'm excited for it i like it yeah so we'll watch the next one tomorrow and we'll see what happens but move on to batman the white knight yeah or white knight let's do i don't it. think it's the white knight uh do we have it right here mm, no i put it away today bagged and boarded it interesting because i that's why i couldn't find it to like take more notes on it that would be why <laughs> yeah so it was written and drawn sean murphy by sean murphy is this who, the first book that he's written no i mean i don't know how many other he's how many others he's done but i mean punk rock jesus was oh um, right. i didn't like it i haven't read it oh i didn't like the concept of it <laughs> <laughs> i just remember because we were doing the, yeah, the that, like, like that book club at the comic book store in South Carolina. Yeah, that was one of the ones to it. like vote it and that, when we, like reading the description. I do want to read it. It's supposed to be good. He wrote this Batman miniseries. I think he, he says it's going to be like about eight issues. It's outside of the DC universe. He he says that DC is calling it the Murphy verse. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's convenient. Yeah, I mean. I've really looked forward to this. 
for like yeah. a while because you know I love like his art Sean Murphy yeah. and um he's very um like active on Twitter and engaging in you know with the fans and or even you know people who are critical of the book and trying to do it in a kind of a civil discourse kind of way which is interesting to read um that's but, difficult to do as yeah. well so he's he's going to do this book. He's going to do another Batman book with uh, Scott Snyder called Last Night. Uh, I love their collaborations. Yeah, so good. Um, but that apparently is going to be the last one because he's, uh, you know, from what he said, he was like, after that Last Night or Batman The Last Night uh, series, he's, he's only going to do his own stuff. Like he's not going to work with Scott Snyder anymore. It's disappointing, right? <laughs> what about witches? Yeah, uh, Jock. Just... Jock. Scott Snyder and Jock do witches. Yeah. Oh well, what else are they doing together? Uh, well, I don't. I mean, they're going to do that Batman book. They've done um, one of my favorites of all the time, wake, the wake, right? And other stuff. I can't remember I can't off the top of my head, yeah. but um, that makes me like want to cry <laughs> and i'm not even like a, a super huge scott snyder fan like i like his stuff but i'm not like always excited every time like a new thing comes out of his because sometimes like sometimes i really love it and sometimes i'm like eh, that's okay yeah. but like everything that they've done together has been something i've all i've loved yeah and i think you might you might also be muddling that a little bit with jock like jock and scott snyder on all-star batman that um, Mr. Freeze issue yeah, and stuff. Yeah, that was really good. Uh, no, I, I, but, I wish I could remember what else they did together that I really liked. But yeah, uh, but for for this book, I mean, the first issue is it, it's a lot of setup. But you know, the basic premise is that Joker is um, kind of cured of his insanity and decides that Batman is what actually ails Gotham, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the book begins like with Jack Napier who is you know Sean Murphy's Joker which is funny cuz I you don't see a lot of that um underneath Joker stuff in mm-hmm. a lot of books that I've read anyway but Jack Napier is like the Joker that I know from the Michael Keaton right. Tim Burton Batman stuff um but he shows up in the Batmobile for some reason to Wayne Manor and escorted by like i don't know if he's supposed to be was the it, mayor was it wayne manor i thought or, he went to arkham asylum uh boy if we had the book out here <laughs> i'm pretty sure he was away. in arkham wherever he pulls up to he pulls up in the batmobile and you know batman is locked up and he says oh i need your help and it's you know jack napier no face paint whatever but then they flash back uh right. to a year ago with this whole chase scene um and it's funny because like I don't know what what you thought about while you were reading that particular part of the book, the back and forth between Joker and and Batman. But I was like, this this seems an awful lot like Lego the Batman? relationship in Lego Batman. Yeah, look. <laughs> yeah you have uh, it. Yeah. yeah. Well, interesting story. Seems current. Also seems a little like familiar. Uh, Lego Batman. Yeah, that's what I have written. Yeah, he was he was writing it as Lego Batman came out. And like I've seen, like I said on Twitter, he's back and forth with a bunch of people. And um, that movie came out as he was writing it, and he said he he kind of freaked out a little bit because 
he was like, oh, people are going to think I like stole this from the Lego Batman movie. But um, ultimately, he decided not to change the story he was working on. Um, but what we're talking about is just like that they need each other and like, you know, the right. Joker is Batman's greatest villain and that they kind of feed off of each other and that they need each other to to exist. survive. Yeah. Yeah. Exist in, in the world, you know, bad timing, whatever. <laughs> yeah, really um i don't know what did you think about the way the the book played out from there obviously it's um i mean it's like a it's a pretty dark story i mean like it's it's i mean some of the issues are current especially about the things with the police department and just like little references here and there and but like it it paints a picture of of who batman is in like a way that you don't want to see him you know like so this, just over the top and like and like just crossing that line that that you feel like he's not supposed to cross which is i mean clearly on purpose um but it, i mean that that's just in itself a difficult thing to to have to like grapple with as a reader you're right he uh there is a whole thread about about the book uh, for as far as police and how how they might actually engage with a vigilante in their city and and the the problems that might cause but what you're speaking about you know specifically in reference to batman kind of um this is a problem i i've had with a lot of batman books that are coming out kind of like batman as a pawn kind of thing which in the actual Batman title that Tom King is writing right now, he de- I, I do not like it. <laughs> the way they the way they use it. Like he's supposed to, uh, like I, I get that there are going to be bumps along the way, but he's supposed to always kind of have this plan. He's supposed to be um, the smartest person in the world, world's basically. greatest detective. Yeah, and the way the way Sean Murphy is perpetuating this out of control Batman is that. Uh, his his kind of foundation, his rock. Alfred is sick with something. He's and he doesn't know what to do. He's there's no immediately you know apparent cure, um, and so it's kind of pushing him further and further towards the edge. Um, which is also funny. He kind of pulled that from um, Joel Schumacher's Batman movies, <laughs> the the Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. Um, which gross, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, overall the book, I mean, I really liked it. They have like, uh, the talking news heads kind of reminiscent of dark Knight uh, mm-hmm. stuff from Frank Miller, but they do. I mean, the, the thread of the book, you know, besides this, um, Joker versus Batman and, uh, you know, no, that's not what I want to say. Um, <laughs> um, but the thread of the book does, you know, kind of follow the Joker. Uh, yes. And his, I mean, that's what the white knight in the title is. It's yeah. Joker has um, turned this corner, uh, you know. Yeah, right. Ostensibly because of these pills that. <laughs> Batman kind of shoves down his throat. <laughs> uh, but 
ultimately, I mean, what was your, like, if I had to make a prediction, um, I would say that the Joker made Alfred sick and the Joker set all this up um, as far as the recording yeah. of the I mean, uh, abuse at the hands of yes, Batman. Yes, it's clearly and, all, all been um, staged. Right. On. So this is my problem with. Right. That's my problem too. <laughs> like, uh, where's the, one of the best Batman ish stories that we read was identity crisis right because like that was batman with a plan a plan that you didn't necessarily see until the end but like the plan was there and then it all like came together i don't i I just don't see a lot of that. Like we see a lot of Batman getting duped. Yeah. You know, and I don't know and if that's not are people just out of stories. I don't. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't know. Scott Snyder's not, <laughs> I mean, all-star Batman, which just ended. I just read the last issue. Uh, and they're going to move on, I guess, and do some kind of prestige book instead of the monthly all-star Batman, um, which great. Good. Great. Yeah. Whatever. It's, as long as those those stories keep coming like the all-star batman was great um but like what like that's like integral to batman is that like that have thought of all possibilities yeah yeah and so i, I have so that, that was my that's where i have my problems yeah. yeah that was my underwriting kind of like feeling as i was reading it but that doesn't it's mean the first that, issue exactly. I did. I mean, art was great. Um, there was a lot of good stuff in the book. It was had funny parts with like uh, Bad Girl and Nightwing, and um, yeah, it definitely had some had like redeeming characteristics. Um, but it did leave me feeling frustrated. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Good. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens next. Right. Uh, you know, I really was. Uh, looking forward to this series, uh, mini series and, and still am, I want to see where it goes, but, um, let's move on to Blade Runner 2049. Right. Which was awesome. It was pretty great. Right. So, you know what? I didn't tell you. I forgot to tell you. Um, Emmalyn from my work was there and she was sitting a few rows in front of me and she popped her head into my office and she was like, Oh, did you go to a movie last night? <laughs> it's like, yeah. She's like, I saw you. There. <laughs> yeah, weirdo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, she's like the sweetest. She's like my 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 Filipino mom that is in state rather than the one that I actually <laughs> the actual have. One. <laughs> yeah. So, but um, she's really sweet, and yeah. So that was interesting that we just happened to be in the same theater in the same showtime, and none of that really matters. So. So. Yeah, I mean, the week <laughs> leading up to us going, uh, we saw it on Friday. Reviews kind of started to slowly leak out, and it sounded like it was going to be uh, really just an amazing movie. And uh, I guess we should say, you know, it was directed by Denny Villeneuve, who did Arrival and Sicario, and, and he's kind of... Those were both wonderful. Yeah, making a definite... I mean... He's had a pretty good run so yes. far. <laughs> he's he's relatively new, 
uh, a, a relatively new director and he's really uh, done a, a great job with a lot of his movies and uh, particularly last year with Arrival kind of making the seamless transition into sort of an intellectual kind of sci-fi genre Mm -hmm. that he did really well in Arrival. I've seen people all over the place calling that a perfect movie. And so he's, he's taken on this sequel to one of the most popular or influential, influential movies of of all all time, basically. Um, Which is funny because as previously discussed on this podcast, not a favorite. (laughs) It's not, it's, it's definitely, um, the original Blade Runner has definitely got some detractors. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it, it, you know, with the new movie, I've gone back and read a bunch of stuff about, I mean, there's so many different cuts of, of this movie. Uh, we've, I've watched at least two and neither one of them really spoke to me. Um, but you know, heard all kinds of stuff about the voiceover and how they added it like after test screenings and Harrison Ford was like, I don't want to do this. And so he really like, um, really, you know, that's interesting, uh, dragged his feet. And that's one of the reasons why it sounds so ridiculous in the movie, whatever the original movie is the original movie. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, like we said, we can we can see how it was so influential. Yes. Um, in 1982 when to, it was made. You have to put a thing in its place in time. Yeah. And the, and the, new, the new screenplay, I know Ridley Scott was a producer on this movie. Uh, the new screenplay was kind of co-written by Hampton Francher, who co-wrote the original Blade Runner uh, based on... Um, the short story, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Uh, electric Sheep. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. And I don't remember the guy's name who wrote it. It was Dick something. But also uh, the new movie co-written by Michael Green, who had worked on just this year, like American Gods and Logan. Um, I thought he had done some work on Hannibal too, but I didn't see that in his IMDb, so maybe I was wrong. But the new movie, you know, picks up 30 years after uh, the original Blade Runner. It definitely was faithful to like that that world that they created and the feel, the feel of the world and also the feel of the movie. The the original movie was kind of slow paced, um, detective noir. Yes. While being futuristic. Yeah. And it sort of turned into something else. but. Um, but I mean, even though it turned into something else, it was still kind of like this plotting yeah. kind of mm-hmm. movie, I thought. Um, and the new one is also very slow to develop. I just found it so much more interesting. <laughs> yeah, I did too. And I think because there was a whole lot more of that, like detective, like something needing to be figured out aspect of the story. Right. Um and and that sort of kept you going through the whole thing was yeah. like was it you trying to piece together this puzzle whereas i, I don't really feel that with the first one right but yeah the and i don't know how much we want to get into i think to have like 
a decent conversation about it. We need to get into like a little bit of a spoilery territory, but yeah. Um, and, and so I know maybe not after reading like several reviews, uh, that were released like before the movie came out. I know that the studio and producers and director or whatever, they were all like, Hey, don't mention this, 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 and this, um, plot points that would definitely come out in a trailer for like, uh, some other kind of movie. Right. Um, but like this is 30 years in the future. A lot of stuff has happened between the end of the last movie and the beginning of this one. The replicants are, um, they're making them again, right. But in a different way. Right. So that they're like supposedly 100% obedient and, um, more easily identifiable. Like they don't need this void conf test, uh, they can just be scanned on the eye mm-hmm. and and identified that way. One of the, one of the things that I know that was requested not be spoiled, um, but they really dispense with early on in the movie is Ryan Gosling, the main character, his the Blade Runner K. Um, they were like, don't don't tell anybody that he's a replicant. <laughs> I yeah, saw but, reviews being like, like, like the third minute. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like the reviewer was like, so I can't say if he's a replicant or not, but his serial number is KD, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but that was one of the uh, kind of quintessential unanswered questions of the original Blade Runner was, is Harrison Ford's Deckard a replicant? Um, and your opinion on that might change based on which cut of the movie you watched. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah. Like, uh, Edward James, almost he's in this very briefly in the new James, uh, the new James runner. Wow. The new blade runner. <laughs> he's in this very briefly, but he's, he's the guy who kind of pulls Harrison Ford out of retirement in the original movie. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the movie, he leaves this, um, kind of origami unicorn. Well, he, not even just at the end of the movie. He leaves the origami. So that's like his calling card. Does he? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess in like the final cut, Ridley Scott's preferred version, Harrison Ford has this dream of a unicorn. And the implication is that um, the Edward James almost character has some kind of insight into his inner thoughts. And Ridley Scott himself, from what I read or what I think I read, said that whether Harrison Ford or not, or whether Deckard was a replicant in the original Blade Runner, would be answered in this in this movie. Um, and I didn't I didn't get that one hundred percent. My no. my thought is no. Yeah. Right. Because, and this is another one of those plot points. The so Ryan Gosling as the Blade Runner in this movie. <laughs> you smiling? Should I just call him K? Or no, I'm smiling because like you're getting real excited about all of this. So <laughs> this is like a whole universe of things that I was not aware of. So, <laughs> but he works for um, the police. He the works police. for the police department. And, you know, he works for Madam, this lieutenant, uh, whoever. I saw her name somewhere, but it's played by Robin Wright. I mean, this is almost a three-hour movie. It's kind of hard to <laughs> condense it all. But yeah, well, I mean, I don't really, uh, I don't, you know, yeah, we don't I, I do don't like, like to do synopsis, like plot, but, plot stuff. Um, so. Yeah, so, but the basic driver of what we'll 
break this world. Like the tension between the replicants and the, and the humans is that they may be able to reproduce. Right. Okay. So this is what's interesting to me about this kind of story in just artificial intelligence as a thing in general is like, is that con is that question? Like what, what is it that makes something human and what is the nature of humanity? Um, and that's kind of like, what's the interesting thing for me here? You know, yeah, I mean, aside from all the plot points, just like that, that general question that. I mean, that's what the first Blade Runner dealt with a lot. Yes. And, and it also carries forward in this one. But I feel like this movie not only expands the, the themes of, um, I don't know, the Blade Runner universe, but also. Um, the potential of the expanded universe, right? Right, Like they could definitely build on this movie and make more movies. Um, yeah. I don't necessarily which is, think. Yeah. It's a little to, troubling but, <laughs> <laughs> because this one was so good. Like as it a, as a sequel good. to a 35 year old iconic movie, it, it really couldn't get much better. Like the visual effects in this movie. Phenomenal. I, it was, it was really so beautiful. seamless. Mm-hmm. Um, from little things like uh, the the flying cars, uh, the, it was a very yeah, it was a very believable space. Yeah, and when they're exactly that, just the world that they give you kind of an overview of, like Los Angeles, like you kind of got the way it might look from the original Blade Runner, it might look from above, but when he's actually flying over Los Angeles and there are these buildings that all are all the same height and like just these small spaces between them where mm-hmm. um where all the life is kind of happening and the last the last thing as far as special effects <laughs> um the the replicant Rachel from the first yeah, Sean Young right uh from the original Blade Runner she she kind of makes a a reappearance sort of in this her in this name, movie her name's Sean Young yeah, I mean, her name was Rachel in the movie, but no, the no, actress, no. the I'm actor is. Sorry. Um, what? I just I, for some reason I thought her name was something else. It's but, not. No, but, I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but she makes like a reappearance as the replicant from yeah. the original movie, and um, that was speaking of special effects. That was the one area where I was like really yeah, looking closely, I and I was like, is it? Is it quite there? Did they, did, like, I thought maybe they just pulled from the first movie. No, they, so I actually just read something about it um, today where it took like a year for them to build this. They um, got an actor that was the same height, build, kind of gait, whatever, to kind of come in there. They brought in the original the original Sean Young. They brought in <laughs> Sean Young, um, who's obviously 35 years older now, uh, to kind of consult and not do the voice work because they found somebody else who could kind of mimic that. Uh, but then it took them a year to do kind of to kind of cross the uncanny valley, as it were, uh, which they kind of tried to in Rogue One, Star Wars Rogue One, and they really yeah, didn't get there. Li- yeah. But yeah, it was it was mostly kind of computer generated on top of this model. Um, Interesting actor. 
I completely lost the thread of anywhere we were going, <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't know. There was, so there's, you know, um, what does it mean to be human? There was a lot of like the isolating effects of technology. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, there was this, the opening scene was really great with, uh, Dave Batista. Um, I can't quite remember the name it starts with an S maybe his name in the, in the movie, like, uh, Oh, I don't remember. Sapper or snapper. I think you're right. Sapper. <laughs> yeah. Sapper might've been yeah. it. Definitely not snapper. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> Makes um, good sushi, not good movie. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, there's this, um, I mean, there's this memory maker who is kind of girl in a bubble kind of thing. That yeah. was, that was one of the most powerful, um, scenes in the movie that really, it really was. I agree. Um, when I agree. Ryan, Ryan Gosling's character came to, to talk to her. Um, but another relationship in the movie that really kind of skirted the line of, you know, isolation versus any kind of emotional connection with not necessarily a human was the Kay's relationship with his, Kind of commercially produced girlfriend, Joy. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, we haven't seen it, but like, isn't that like sort of the territory that her goes into? So I've seen the movie referenced a lot when they talk about this movie, but like you said, we haven't seen it. So, right. <laughs> um, but I can imagine how it would, would parallel those, those themes. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, 100%. But parallel in a twisted way, right? Because Kay's not human either, technically. Right. And um, also she's visible and not just a voice. But yeah. Right. But just visible. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was, I don't know. It was really great. It's hard it to was, get into. Um, I'm excited that you're going to get to see it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... I will probably go see it tomorrow night <laughs> yeah. with our boys. And I will take Jake was Keegan very adamant to see the My Little Pony movie. And I will thoroughly enjoy that experience with her. Yeah. Um, Blade Runner 2049. Yep. That's, That's so cute. <laughs> anyway, nobody knows really what we're talking about. So we should probably. <laughs> um, the only other, I mean, the, the only other thing that I really had, um, you know, as far as the movie goes was, uh, Jared Leto as Neander oh my Wallace. Gosh, so creepy, right? He's so creepy. You know he what? He plays I'm... the best creepy guy. See, yeah, the best creepy guy. Uh, it, I thought he was good in the movie, but um, reading about the movie and how concerned people were that Jared Leto was going to come in and mess it up. Um, really? really made me uh, aware of how much people don't like Jared Leto. Uh, Who doesn't like Jared Leto? I don't know. A lot of people. A lot of people. That's interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, They think he's too Jared Leto, (laughs) which seems like kind of not a great criticism to levy against somebody. That's very unfair. Yeah. (laughs) Because sometimes- Oh, let me be clear. I feel like- I didn't say that. I know. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like I'm too Charlene, and that's just not fair. I am who I am. (laughs) Okay, Popeye. <laughs> um, <laughs> did you have anything else on Blade Runner? <laughs> I'm just going to let that go. No. 
Oh, yes. <laughs> what is it with Harrison Ford being like a perpetual grump? Like we we let me just say, we talked through this whole movie and by we I mean mostly you because you were so excited about it and that's okay. But I mean like how much did you bring up Harrison Ford? Zero. Well, like zero. Because I did like him in this movie, though. Yeah, he was fine. But I mean, but like, I'm just looking at this pattern. Why is he always grumpy? In Um, everything. In everything. Well, he's had a hard life. Yeah, it's so difficult for him. (laughs) And like, he just, like, I feel like he takes every character and he's like, I'm going to make this character as grumpy as I possibly can and still fit into the role of this character. Yeah. So I feel like... Um, is he just like grumpy all the time in general anyway? Like, is he just a grumpy well, that's, man? I feel like maybe he he used to be, like, right? We used to listen to The Nerdist a lot. And yeah. the, um, the Harrison Ford interview did not go well for them. And that was the feeling. And like, he kind of, based on stories that you hear, he kind of just wanted Han Solo to be killed off in star Wars. And he was just like, I'll come back, but you need to kill him. Cause I'm not coming back for another movie. Right. Um, Still but I feel though. like, and this is just me projecting a narrative on somebody I don't know and have never talked to. <laughs> right, right, right. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, he, you know, he kind of seems like he's m- enjoying more, uh, reliving some of these experiences from from past movies, and I feel like uh, Blade Runner in particular was uh, more important for him to to get right, and um, that he enjoyed it more than returning to something like Star Wars. Which, but then you think? I mean, did I see any enjoyment? No, he's just a perpetual grump. <laughs> so grumpy. He's like so, the same grumpy dude. I don't dislike Harrison Ford. I just, like, it just stood out to me. I mean, he was pretty grumpy in the original Blade Runner 35 years ago, too. But All right. Um, I guess, yeah. Yes. My spirited defense of Harrison Ford yeah. <laughs> is done. Are we done? Uh, we are. We <laughs> should right. be. And need yeah, to we'll, be done. we'll wrap it up. It's, oh, wow, it's late. Um, That'll do it for sure. Yeah. It was fun. It was smart. We liked it.